you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I'm excited about diving into this series. It's going to be great. It's called Believing God. I've actually been just kind of stoked about it for four or five months now. And I'll tell you why. Because this series is about the action verb faith. The action verb faith. Faith is the way that believers jump on board with God. Now believers, you said another word for somebody who said, I am a Christ follower. If you're here and you're not sure where you stand on faith, that's okay. You're have permission to belong before you believe. This series, though, is dealing with specifically with people who said, man, I love Jesus and I want to follow, but I'm struggling with faith. You see, faith is how we participate in the countless wonderful things that God wants to do and has a mind to do in and through our lives. Faith is what happens when believers believe. And that's what this series is about. I want to challenge you to be a part of it over the next six weeks as we unpack just some amazing things for you and for me. Can I just get just some honesty from some people today? Just with a show of hands, how many of you would say, yeah, I have or I am, or at one point, so you don't feel weird, struggle with faith? Would you just raise your hand? Okay, look around. Look, all of us. And my hand's up first. You can put your hand back down. All of us struggle with this at times. So why not take a few weeks and just explore what God wants to do in our life? Can we do that? It's going to be good. Let's pray and we'll jump in today. God, we thank you for your time here. We thank you for your heartbeat for us. God, we thank you that you're going to do something exciting that blows our mind, that goes beyond our wildest expectation. And so today, we really do just open our hearts and our mind and our ears to hear and receive whatever it is that you want to do in our lives. We made it past this worst storm in 20 years, supposedly. We brave the rains and the winds. We're here. So God, do something miraculous. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Listen, here's my biggest challenge. I, I have been in serving in full-time ministry for nearly 20 years now. I know that's crazy because I don't look a day over 21. It's true. But I've been in ministry now for about 20 years, just a little bit under. And one of the biggest challenges or concerns that I have is that many people believe in God but don't believe God. They can get behind the idea or the picture of a bigger or higher power. They can get behind the idea or the picture of the big guy upstairs that there's something or someone that is kind of, uh, you know, overarching and all in, 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 you know, somewhere, something. I I can see that idea, but the notion that God actually wants to do great things in and through me can be challenging at times. Or that God is working providentially in my life is a different story altogether. And as a result, I believe and really fear that faith is, has become more of a notion and rather than an action. This kind of feeling of, I have faith because I go to church, but I don't even know if I necessarily have faith that God can do what he says he can do. Look at what Isaiah, a book in the Bible in the Old Testament, chapter 7, verse 9 says, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. 
And that's a scary place to be because faith is where believers get on board with who God is and what he wants to do. Faith is not just something that you have, it's something that you do. It's something that you do. It's a way that you live. So here's a question that's worth asking yourself. Is my faith, is my belief system actually working? Is it actually functional? Or has it become a system of Sunday mornings for an hour and 15 minutes, unless Pastor Kerry goes long in an hour and 20? Is your faith working? If you're at a place where you say, man, I feel like my faith is struggling, or I feel like I'm not, I do believe in God, that there's a a higher power, but I don't know about the whole idea of God working in and through my life, then this series is probably for you. And if you're here today and you're like, man, no, I feel great about my faith, I'm excited, then this series is probably for you. You see what I did? I made it so everybody's lumped in. So you don't want to miss a single week of this series. Let me just tell you the greatness of what God wants for you. This is God's promise for you. Found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says this. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Check this out. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God has great things planned for us and wants great things for us. And sometimes we just simply lack the faith to believe it. In fact, I believe, unfortunately, we've reversed the standard. And we walk by sight rather than by faith. If I can see it, touch it, smell it, taste it, then it is real. And then what I do is I begin to go after and drive after the best of that which I can see. The problem is, when we are going after what it is that we see, when we bend the narrative and we shift our faith that it's become what we see and not by faith, then we allow what we see to paint the narrative of our life. And so then we just assume that the greatest days of our life are something that we've seen in someone else. And the problem is that what we see is so far removed from God's best. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, I don't have it for you in my notes today, is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It's an amazing promise. If you hear nothing else today, my prayer is you hear this message. That God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or imagine. All that you ask or imagine. Going beyond your wildest notions, your wildest dreams. So why would we want to minimize our faith to that which we can see? This has been a challenge for people for millennia. In fact, in the beginning of of God's people, we find and read a story of the Hebrews who were slaves in Egypt. Some of you may know the story, and if you don't, it's okay. You've probably seen the cartoon Prince of Egypt, and so now you're probably pretty much theologically lying online. Here we go. So there was this group of people called the Hebrews who were God's people that were in slavery for 400 years. Not a cute kind of slavery. This was a bad deal. And they were praying, God set us free, and God comes and says, Hey, I'm going to deliver you, and I have a promised land for you. I have something great for you. The Bible said it was a land flowing with milk and honey, which is kind of weird to us today. So imagine a land with pizza that the calories don't count against you. Can I get an amen from some people? I just wish. I just like, Lord, please, one day, 
don't make the calories of pizza count against me because it would be amazing. So there's people are here in this, the land of Egypt, and finally God sends somebody to deliver them. His name is Moses. And he leads the people out of Egypt to take them to the promised land. And the Hebrews encountered this challenge where they were forced to believe either God can do what he says he can do or he can't. And they chose a lack of faith. And they wandered the desert for 40 years, separated from the promised land by a mere, by a mere river. And I just wonder how many of us, look at me in the eyes, you have a promised land that God has, great things that God has in store for you and me, but I wonder how many of us have settled for wandering a desolate place in life. So it begs the question, where is or what is my promise and what is this thing that God has for me? And I love what the author Beth Moore says. She says, your promised land is the place where God's personalized promises over your life become a living reality rather than a theological theory. I'm going to read that again. That's worth reading. Your promised land is the place where God's personalized promises over your life become a living reality rather than a theological theory. God has something great for you, specialized for you. No matter what season, no matter what tragedy, no matter what challenges you face, so why would we choose to wander in a desert place? I think one of the reasons is that we feel like the promised land has to be perfection. It's got to be devoid of any conflict or issues. But let me just tell you this, your promised land are characterized by presence of, the presence of victory and not the absence of opposition. Let me read that again. Your promised lands are characterized by the presence of victories and not the ab- absence of opposition. You see, here's what happened. 40 years goes by and the children of Israel are wandering the desert aimlessly and they get a new leader and the young people rise up and say, no, we want what was promised for us. The Bible says that they're ready to take it, so they cross over the river Jordan, and now they're in the land flowing with milk and honey and pizza that has no calories. Come on, y'all feel that. Goodness gracious, I feel like the Spirit of God is here right now. And guess what they have to do in the promised land? They had to fight for it. They had to fight for it. They had to fight for it. See, I believe that God has promises for great marriages for you. But you're going to have to fight for it. So I'm like, I know that. I'll wake up next to her every morning. No, no, no. I'm not saying fight in your marriage. I'm talking about fight for your marriage. Some of you are thinking, man, I want my kids just to love God and to grow up and make great choices. You might have to fight for it by having your knees on the ground and praying, God, do something in their life and build them and raise them up in a place like this where people come alongside them empowering and speaking destiny and hope. Because how many of you know that probably some of our kids are going to make some choices like you and I have? I believe that God has promises of great destiny for you, student at Saddleback College, for you that just graduated and began your career, but you might have to fight for it. It's the presence of victory, not the absence of opposition. And that's why we fast forward in the scripture and Paul, one of the apostles who wrote most of the books of the New Testament, he begins to talk to Christians and say, hey, guess what? God's promises are real and they're for you, but you will have to fight. And then he paints a picture of how to prepare for battle. 
Now in those days he spoke to men and women who knew battle with armor and swords and spears. And so Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, hey, here's how you prepare for battle. Take on the breastplate of righteousness. And we do this with our kids every day, every morning. We put on the breastplate of righteousness that I can walk in righteousness and make good choices. And the belt of truth that I can know the truth and speak the truth. Because how many of you know we've got to get some truth in our world a little bit now. And I've got the shoes of the gospel, the preparation of peace that I can walk in peace and tell people about Jesus. I put on the helmet of salvation that I can renew my mind and think like Jesus. We're doing a whole series in the armor of God this summer. Don't miss it. Here's note to self, never miss a Sunday. <laughs> I take up the sword of the spirit. We do this. Just, I just de-sheathed my sword. That's a real word. I made it up. You're welcome. Sword of the spirit, the word of God, the Bible. I can know what it says and do what it says. Then Paul says, take up the shield of faith that I might fight the fiery darts of the enemy and that nothing that stands against me shall prosper. You know what the shield is? You know why Paul said we need our shield? Because it's our armor's armor. Yeah. It's our armor's armor. Yeah. See, the enemy knows that if we drop our shield of faith, we can't remain standing strong very long. Yeah. That's why it's so challenging us for us to have faith when it should be the simplest thing that we do. I think there's a song that says you gotta have faith. faith, faith. <laughs> Nobody? That was a lot better. I won't sing anymore. Maybe I will. You know what's interesting is the first recorded words of the enemy, of the devil in the Bible. The first recorded words was this. Did God really say that? As he stood facing Eve at the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, tempting her to make the poorest choice for all mankind. And what did the enemy say? Did God really say that? What was he doing? Challenging her faith. Challenging her faith. It stands to reason that faith is something we desperately need. And that's what this series is about. Today is kind of a syllabus, a preparation for the next five weeks. When I say please don't miss a Sunday, I mean that if you do get the podcast, because I believe the enemy wants to put us in a place where we've dropped our shield of faith and we're susceptible to when he says, did God really say? So three things. Three things that I want you to do during this series. Three things. Listen, we never ask you just to simply be a spectator. We always ask you to be a participator. So three things I'm going to ask of you over the next five weeks. And I've literally got five minutes to do this. So pray for me because I need it. Five minutes, three things. It's not going to happen. Just going to let you know right now. Number one, practice raising your shield of faith. Number one, practice raising your shield of faith. I hope you're taking notes. And if you want to, you can text the word notes to the number that comes on our screen, and you can follow along, but type them in your phone, because this is going to be worth it. Practice raising your shield of faith. I love what Romans chapter 10 says. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of God, through the word of Christ. What does that mean? That when we meditate on the scripture, we build our faith. Not meditation like Rafiki from The Lion King. Asante san, squash banana. Nobody? Now you're with me, Okay. That's not meditation. You know what meditation? In the original Greek, it means to speak or to whisper. Listen, this is a little creepy. One word for meditation is to growl. Please don't growl at your neighbor. But you know what that, that meaning is? Listen, this is so cool. 
That word for growl, the same word for meditation, has the same meaning of the growl of a lion over its prey. As if to say, I'm reminding you that you are a defeated foe. So when we begin to speak the word of God, it builds our faith to remind us that God has given us a strength. That greater is he that is in me than the potential of facing divorce. Greater is he that is in me than the depression that I wake up with every morning. Greater is he that is in me than the crisis of finances that are looming overhead and I can't seem to knock them. When we speak the truth of God's word, it reminds the enemy that he has no authority. Practice raising your shield of faith. My biggest concern is that Christians don't read the Bible anymore. Why? Why would we do that? It's the one book where the author sits down next to us as we read and he says, I wrote that passage for you. May have been thousands of years ago, but it still rings true. And if you don't know the promises that I have, then you will know defeat. If you don't know the promises that I have, then evidently you will lower the shield of faith and become susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. But when we speak the truth of God's word, it builds the faith on the inside. Psalm 71 says this, my tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. There's something about speaking the truth of God's word. You want to know how to practice? You want to know how to practice raising your shield? You want to know how to practice that? Listen, I'm going to do a little activity. And this is going to be something I'm going to ask you to do. Get ready for it. If you brought your friend, I hope you don't get embarrassed, but it's going to be amazing. We're all going to stand and sing. No, I'm kidding. It's going to be good. I want to practice five statement pledges of faith that we're going to talk about throughout the course of this series. Can I get Jeremy and Matt to come on up here and help me out? I need a little pretty music because I've got just like two minutes left and it helps me. And it doesn't pretty music always help you talk faster? Awesome. Check this out. Five statement pledge of faith. Everybody hold your shield. Listen, put your arm in front of you like you're holding it. Mine's a little bit, sh- a little, little heavier, so I've got my arm, you know, like real good strength there. So hold your shield. Put your fist in front of you like this. Don't be awkward. Our first service did much better than you. Come on, put your shield up. There we go. Some of y'all are like, oh, I don't know, it's so weird. Stop it. Hold your shield of faith. Five statements, and what I want you to do is I want you to actually practice saying these statements with you, with me, and these are the five points of every sermon we're going to preach over the next five weeks. Are you guys ready? Hold your shield up. Listen, put, just put, I can see two of you just like, I don't know, it's weird. Stop it. Hold your shield up. Here's statement number one. Hold your thumb up like this. Statement number one, God is who he says he is. You can read it with me. Statement number two, put your pointer finger out like this. God can do what he says he can do. Statement number three, come on loud and proud. I am who God says I am. Come on, statement number four, this little ring finger. I can do all things through Christ. Number five, pinky finger, the most insignificant finger. Say it like you mean it. God's word is alive and active in me. Now give yourself a round of applause. You were like, oh, I had to move. It was awesome. You did great. These five statements are the statements we're going to stand on. Listen, it's not just words that we're speaking. Look me in the eyes and lean in. These are God's promises for you and for me. And the very foundation of a wavering faith. I want to challenge you to practice raising your shield. You can write those statements down. And when you do them, 
use the fingers like this, it'll be a great reminder. God is, look at me, who he says he is. And God can do what he says he can do. Look at me, I'm telling you right now. This is going to be a game-changing series, so don't just be a spectator. That was just point number one. We got to go with two more points. It's a tuning fork. I don't know what that noise was, but hallelujah, it's good. <laughs> That's the key of E, and here we go. All right. <laughs> number two, here's what I want you to do. Number two, increase, listen to this, increase your personal level of sanctification. Now, this is a word that we don't use very often anymore. Increase your personal level of sanctification. Let me read a scripture to you and talk to you about exactly what this means. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5 says this. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Joshua said, consecrate. What does that mean? What does that even mean? Joshua said, hey, get ready. We've crossed over the river, and now it's time for battle. Go and consecrate yourself. The word consecrate literally means to separate, to be holy, to sanctify. Another definition for this word, look right here. Another definition is this, setting aside the sin which entangles. I'm afraid that in churches we've kind of gotten away from this topic, but it's so needed. Hebrews 12 says this, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us. And you identifying can know what I'm talking about when it comes to sin that entangles. It's this concept or this notion that I just can't ever seem to get rid of this one thing. I'm trying so diligently to be somebody new and to pursue what God has, but every time I just fall back into that same place. And Joshua is saying to the children of Israel, it's time to consecrate yourself. It's time to do something brand new. And then look what he says in the, the rest of the verse. Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, check this out, the Lord will do wonders among you. Wow. You know what wonders are? They're marvelous. Surpassing extraordinary sign me up I've been mundane I've been mediocre I got a life full of mistakes I want some wonder in my life here's what that means my life needs to be consecrated through an active pursuit of personal holiness just pursuing God listen I don't have to say here's what your problem is you need to do this and do that no, just say, God, what are the things that I need to remove from my life? I don't want them anymore. And the third thing I want you to do, the third thing is write down the wonders. Write down the wonders. The great things that God does, the great things that he's doing. Listen, often we miss these things because we miss the miraculous because we don't actually pay attention. We're always looking for something else down the road and we're missing the miracle that's right here before us. And if we'll start to write down the great things that God does, then it'll be a reminder as we face that time where the enemy comes at us again and he says, did God really say that? Wow. If you're like me, you might feel like, I don't know, did he? I don't, 
I don't know if he's going to pull through this time. I don't know. It just seems hopeless, but then I can go back to the things that I've written down and say, no, wait a minute. When I struggled last time, God pulled through like this. Last time when it seemed hopeless, hope came through. Last time when I felt like I'd gone too far, God's love was still there. Last time when I felt like there was not enough grace, and all the scripture says is grace is sufficient. If we don't write it down, we'll miss the miraculous in our everyday life. And maybe that contributes to a lack of faith. I don't know. But I can tell you this, man. There's something that takes place when we believe that God is who he says he is. There's something that takes place in our life when I believe that God can do what he says he can do. Something takes place in my life when I realize that I am who God says I am. Something shifts in my world when I realize I can do all things through Christ. And that takes place when God's word is alive and active in me. I believe God wants to strengthen your faith. In the first service I said strengthen your face. I believe that too. <laughs> but it won't happen. It won't happen through osmosis. Look at me. It won't happen through good feelings and great vibes. But through intentionality. I believe God will do something miraculous. As we begin to shift gears in just a moment, let me just take 30 seconds to talk to some of you who are here that are not sure where it is you stand with your faith. I want you to know this is the greatest place you can be. I really mean it when I say permission to belong before you believe. But I believe some of you in this room have just been sitting here and you feel God doing something on the inside. And you're thinking, what's the next step for me? And I would tell you it's very simple. God wants to begin a relationship with you. To know you in a real way. And that is not through church membership. That is not through great feelings. There's a starting point for that. The greatest news I can give you is that starting point is free. It's easy. In fact, there's nothing you can do to start that journey. There's nothing you can eradicate because so many people think, I've got to get everything in my life cleaned up before God can be a part, but that couldn't be further than the truth. You say, well, you don't understand my past. You don't understand how far I've gone. You don't know where I've been, Pastor Kerry. If you did, you probably wouldn't want me in your church. And I would tell you, God knows your past, your mistakes and your failures. And he couldn't love you any more than he does today. If you're here today and you have never started that relationship, today is your day. And all you have to do is simply say, Jesus. I'm giving you my life. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want to challenge you. We will not embarrass you or ask you to get out of your seat, but if you're here and you've never made that decision in your heart, I want to challenge you, pray that prayer with me. And if you're here today and you've been running from God, today is the day to come running back and start a brand new day and make this declaration of faith. But don't leave without this chance. Don't leave without taking the moment to make this opportunity real. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, nobody leaving from the front to the back. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer or it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time, I'm not gonna embarrass you, 
I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat, but I'm going to ask you just to repeat a prayer after me. You can whisper it quietly. You can say it in your own heart. The important thing is that it becomes real to you. But don't let this moment pass if that's you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just make this simple prayer yours. Say, God, I know you're real. I know that you love me. That you've given me purpose. God, I've got sin in my life. I've made some mistakes. Would you forgive me? I want you to be more real to me now than you ever have been before. And just make this statement your own. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.